When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Seifer, and I'm joined this week by Ken Lavin. Ken, how's it going? Good, good. Can't complain. All right, so we're going to just jump right into things, because we have a lot to cover this week. And we will first do our wait-to-early draft updates. And my two guys are injured, so that makes my contribution to this very <laughs> easy. Ken... Um, Jace Jung and Cam Collier, how were their weeks? Uh, so Jace Jung cooled off a little bit. He went a, a measly 3 for 11 with a homer and two doubles, uh, four walks, one strikeout in one game at New Mexico and two versus West Virginia. Uh, still pretty good. His season line, um, you know, coming into today is 371, 522, 713. That's a 1237 OPS. He's hit 11 homers, 29 extra base hits, 46 walks against 25 Ks in 151 at-bats. So still probably the best college position player in, you know, the draft this year. Uh, Cam Collier hasn't played since Saturday, last Saturday. So I'm not sure. I haven't been able to dig up if he's been injured or what the deal is, but no real change Uh-oh. in, uh yeah. His, and their season is almost over. I think they only have like three games left. So he's likely to end the year hitting 333, 431, 525. That's a 956 OPS 
with seven homers, 17 extra base hits, and 25 walks against 30 strikeouts in 162 uh, at-bats. So still very good as as a 17-year-old playing against basically college kids. So, yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, And as we noted last week, uh, his struggles against in-conference opponents kind of evened out. So not much of a difference between um, his overall statistics and his in-conference statistics after, you know, all was said and done. Definitely somebody that I wouldn't go, oh, if they selected. So what we like to see. Especially, I think they'd be able to save on him a little bit um, if they reached for him with one of the first round picks. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Lucas and Thomas are kind enough to send in recordings of their players. So Lucas and Thomas, you can go ahead and take it away. Hey everyone, Lucas here with an update on my two draft follows for this week. And, uh, uh frankly, a week of good performances, but a, a, a week of fairly, uh, uh, unremarkable comments on my part, I feel like. Um, and, and that will perhaps be more clear once I dig into the performances here. So Dylan Beavers had a really nice week. I went 5 for 14, had a couple homers. Uh, one of them a really impressive opposite field shot uh, against UCLA, a, a rival and a, and a quite good team in their own right. Um, two walks and, most importantly, only two strikeouts, and, and they, that came against some uh, pretty good competition. So this is exactly the performance you want to see from him. He's hitting 295, 417, 658 on the season. That's a 1075 OPS. He's done... Nothing to either dampen my enthusiasm, nor really, like, uh, remove any of the lingering doubts about the, the hit tool or the ability to play against lefties and things like that. So, uh, stock is, is stable, right? The, it's, it's almost boring to continue to talk about these guys. You almost get, uh, uh, fatigued with them. We, we've seen this plenty in recent years where guys will slip for seemingly no reason just because they didn't rip the cover off the ball or, or do something absurd, but but he's doing exactly what you'd want to see uh, from a, a second-round uh, pretty polished college outfielder, right? And I, I'm still pretty confident there's some latent upside in there if you get him in a pro program as he continues to hit, given that he started so late. So uh still like him as a second-round option, uh, not moving up, not moving down, but he's, he's plugging along and doing what you want to see. Uh, Brock Porter... Uh, very much the same story, and he's actually uh, suffering from that dr- same phenomena uh, more explicitly. Um, so Porter is now averaging two strikes. He's, he, look, he's just way, way, way too good for the high, quality of high school hitters he's facing. He's striking out two batters per inning. He's barely given up any hits. He's barely walked anyone. The changeup is, is, is frankly unfair. For high school, like the high schoolers have no idea what to do with the pitch. His slider is ticked up. His velocity is ticked up. Everything is moving in the right direction. Uh, and despite that, there's been some, uh, a bit of a slide in terms of his draft stock for some reason. If you look at the mock drafts from the start of the season compared to now, he's maybe 10 spots lower. He's been leaped, uh, leapfrogged by, uh, Jackson Ferris and, uh, uh Schultz. Uh, a couple of high school lefties who who are now uh, perhaps above him, and he's now looking like the fourth, maybe the fourth high school arm off the ball, uh, off the board, excuse me. 
Um, I don't really see the evidence for that, particularly with Ferris. Like to me, Porter still seems like the superior option. I can at least squint and understand the, uh, uh, not even squint really. Like the, the, the upside with Schultz is obvious given the frame and such, but, uh, Porter has basically improved on everything you'd want to see him improve on this spring. Uh, but it's sliding down the board for, for reasons unknown. Um, now, maybe this is due to some signability concerns, who knows, uh, but he's still looking like a, a pretty solid bet in the, the middle of the first round uh, if the, the, the pro side scouts like him, right? And and I, I'll just add, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks back, I've read a couple places that there's a bit of concern about his fastball characteristics, like maybe he doesn't have the high spin uh, uh, that's, that's become popular in recent years as we've learned more about what makes fastballs effective. Um, and I can't comment on whether that's true or not. I don't have the data. I don't have the scouting experience to, to determine that by eye, uh, based on the video I've seen. And it's certainly not a flaw that's evident in the results, given that he's making people look silly anytime he takes them out. So, if there's a team out there with more data or more experienced scouts who can pick up on this sort of thing, that may be a, a, a question mark that's perhaps leading to some of the slip and fall here. But uh, at least from my perspective, uh, anything I've wanted Porter to do this season, he's done and, and perhaps even more. Uh, and I'd still be quite pleased if the Mets wound up with him in the first round. So uh, two weeks, uh, as I said at the start, a strong performance this week from both Beavers and Porter. Um but uh, no real shift in terms of their draft stock. And uh, I imagine that'll be much the same until uh, the end of their respective seasons and, and perhaps even up until the draft in July. So for my way too early draft update, um, which is slowly becoming just the regular draft update, that's not really way too early because we're getting into almost May. Um, Brandon Barea has had an interesting two weeks, basically, from the last time. We did much of anything because he pitched on April 7th and then he didn't pitch at all last week. And then this week he pitched only once and he had a weird game. I would say, um, American heritage, his high school, they won. Um, and he was mostly good. Uh, he pitched six innings, he struck out 11 and he ends, and he gave up four, but he gave up all four of those runs in the sixth inning. So I wonder if it was just one of those things where he faded and he was kind of, he was kind of out of it. Not out of it, but he was kind of, just kind of running out of gas because he wasn't really, that was one of the longer outings that he had because a few earlier in that, or the other time he pitched in April, he only pitched three innings. Um, he pitched five before, he pitched five another time before, but he hasn't really gotten to the sixth inning that many times, if at all, this, this year. Um, so it, I, it might be just one of those things where he ran out of gas. And like we said before, he's a good high school player and he's playing good high school competition. So it's not like he's playing really bad players who are like, he's better than them for sure. Cause he's going to be a first round pick, but he's not playing total uncompetitive baseball players either in the high, the high school level. Um, Gavin Cross, after his weird dip where he had his batting average dip below 300 a few weeks ago, um, he's just tearing the cover off the ball, man. He's hitting 359, 446, 690 for 1,136 OPS. Um, in 34 games, he, um, has 11 doubles, five triples, and nine home runs. Six stolen bases, hasn't been caught once, 20 walks to 18 strikeouts. I mean, it's just, he's probably one of the more complete college hitters in college baseball right now. 
Um, and that's great to see, but also, I don't know if that means he drops to the Mets. It might be a Conforto, like, I, just, I feel like I've said this every week, but it might be a Conforto-Schwarber situation where his real lack of insane positional versatility has him fall more than it should. This year, he played most of the games in center field, which is quite interesting. He only played one in right, and that's opposed to in 2021, he played 42 in right and only one in left, in center. And before that, he kind of moved, like, not moved, but he played, a, he only played 15 games. He, he only played 15 games in right field and three at first base. So he has very little experience at first base. He's played six total games there in three years. He's played 32 games in center, 31 of them coming this year, and he's played 58 in right, one of them coming this year. So basically he's going to say in center or right, I assume that he's going to be a right fielder just because of his size, but he has the athleticism to probably play center. Um, but yeah, he's just a complete hitter in all facets. I would like to see a little more home run power, but also he only hit 11 home runs in 51 games in 2021, and he's already up to 9 and 34, so that's still an improvement, but you know how it is. So if some of those doubles become home runs, that'd be nice, but that could come with playing more baseball and getting a little bigger and more mature and stuff like that, because he is already 21. But yeah, um, it's going mostly well. I don't know where Beret is going to go at this point, because he's had a bit of an up and down kind of go of it in April, and he was really good in March, but his April has been a little up and down. He got, on the 7th, he got hit pretty hard, had a 14 ERA in his three innings of work. But um, he was more, like, I feel like his four points, his giving up four runs in six innings is kind of tainted because it was all in the sixth. So he was rolling till then. He, this year he has a 2.27 ERA overall, and uh, American Heritage is 19-2, and two, so they're quite good. They're a top-five team in Florida, and he's probably the best pitcher. So if he doesn't get drafted early, he'll go to a good college, and that'll be that. But I could see him being a late first-round pick or maybe even a mid-first-round pick, and Gavin Cross is definitely going to be an early first-round pick. And before we move on from the draft, some related news. Uh, John Heyman reported on Saturday night that Michael Conforto underwent shoulder surgery earlier in the week, last week, and that's going to sideline him for the entire season. So, uh, a brutal, brutal situation. Yeah, it's lose-lose basically for everybody. You know, Conforto rejected the qualifying offer. Um, but then he got hurt in January, and the QO deadline was November. So, I mean, it's not like he knew what was going on in his shoulder and decided to say, fuck it, let's get that money, you know. In hindsight, it would have definitely been better for him to to get a contract, either, you know, outright with the Mets or accept the QO or whatever, and then have him hurt, then hurt his shoulder and have surgery and miss the season because he'd still have, like, you know, minimum $18 million, but unfortunately that's not uh, how it worked. And then, of course, from the Mets' point of view now, the compensation pick that they would have gotten if he signed somewhere, that's gone now because he's going to be after the season. So, yeah, the uh, the comp pick would have been like in the mid-70s or so, so that would have given the Mets six selections in the top 100. And now, ooh, they're only going to have five. 
two in the first round, their second rounder, compensation pick for Noah Syntegaard, and then their third rounder. Um, more often than not, guys in like the 70s kind of don't really pan out or become great. You know, you have in the last couple of years guys like Tanner Dodson, Josiah Gray, James Woods, uh, a Ken favorite, Adrian Del Castillo, uh, Tommy Mace, Bubba Chandler. You know, there's a lot of legit guys, but also plenty of guys that aren't legit. So it's not necessarily that the Mets are losing out on a lock of a player, but, you know, one more pick would have been one more chip in their overall selection in, in the 2022 draft. So just sucks for everybody involved here. Yeah, not good. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, hopefully you know, reminisce. covers fully and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But hopefully um, isn't like a career setback, you know? Yeah. So we wish my reminiscent of well. the uh, rocker situation too. Ah, yes. Same, same persons involved. I don't know. Is Boris losing a step? I don't know. I think this was just absurdly unlucky. Especially, he has a history of shoulder issues, and he, he did it in, like, a drill. So, what mm-hmm. can you do? Yeah, just shitty timing for everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, so let's go over how the teams, the Mets teams did this week. And first up are the Syracuse Mets. They had a better week this week than they did uh, the week before, but I guess you really have nowhere to go but up when you are <laughs> when you go over six like they did a couple weeks ago. This week they went four for six, which is objectively good. So that brings them to five and eleven for the year, but they're still in dead last in the International League East, five and a half games back. But I guess at least they showed some life. Um, you know, we knew that there weren't too many prospects on the team coming into this start of the year, and the guys that are there right now, they are not impressing. Mark Vientos, he's currently hitting 152, 231, 238 in 14 games with a homer, four walks, and 17 strikeouts. And I don't know if I would say I am worried necessarily, because we know that he's a guy, you know, we have a couple of years of data now that he gets off to very slow starts. But you know, Eve, our mantra has always been we want to see good rather than bad, even if it doesn't matter. And this kind of does matter. And we, you know, we want to see him do good. 
Uh, Khalil Lee, he's hitting ugh, 108, 267, 135 in 11 games. No homers, five stolen bases, eight walks to 17 strikeouts. Him I'm getting a little concerned about. Uh, Nick Plummer, he hasn't really played very much. So, you know, give him another week or so before we start really honing in on him. Uh, pitching has not really looked good for Syracuse either. And yeah, really, that's, that's about, that's about it. You know, that's a team that really seems dead and lifeless right now. But, um, I, I guess, you know, right things are ahead because players that are in the Binghamton Rumble Ponies now are going to be eventually promoted to Syracuse. And there are some pretty good players on the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. The week wasn't a great week for them. They went 1-4, and four, and that puts them at 4-9 and nine on the season, which is second to last in, in, in the Eastern League Northeast, ahead of only the Reading Fighting Phils. But, you know, there are some very good players on the team, and Ken, you are the first one of all of us to get some eyes on the product this year. So... How did you know? How did the big three look? Some of those secondary players. How was how how was the stadium up there? You know, give uh, us your yeah. impressions. So, um, having recently moved to to Boston, I'm kind of smack dab in the middle of uh, the Eastern League territory, I guess, and uh, decided I was going to drive up to Portland, about a, a 90 minute drive from where I live, to to see Binghamton play the Portland Sea Dogs. Uh, Steve, Brett Batty. Probably should be looking to get some time in AAA in the very near future. Um, he went, I believe, two for four, but both uh, the single and the double he hit were extremely loud. Um, I think I saw on Twitter he hit both over 110 miles an hour. Um, you know, we, we've sung the praises of his swing, and um, I, I really think that the hit tool is a lot more advanced than you know, any of us were hoping it would be. And given the fact that he's, you know, a big boy and um, even when he's not lifting the ball, like, like yesterday, neither was, you know, a towering shot or anything, but even when he's hitting line drives and, and even ground balls, they're extremely hard off the bat. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. He, um, you know, the approach is still great, even if he's not walking a ton in the early season. It, it's hard to walk a lot when you're hitting, I think, what, 370? Um, yep. Yep. So when, when you're hitting almost 380, uh, I don't really care how much you're walking because you're, you're hitting 380 and there's, there's not a lot left <laughs> after that. So I don't think there's much for, left for him to prove in double A. Uh, he should probably be called up to triple A in the very near future. And um, I don't know, Steve, he just looks like a ball player. I was kind of surprised that they sent him to Binghamton to begin with. I mean, he, he played about 60 games there last year. He's I think probably that's... just in deference to the Vientos, I would think. Yeah, but... Trying to get them both upper minors playing time at third base. Not that it really matters, but yeah, uh, that would be my guess of why he's there. But yeah... I don't think he has anything left to, to prove at double A. Like the power is going to come when it's going to come. Um, and uh, I'd, yeah, rather, I mean, if you're him, the I'd ball. rather him, yeah, if you're hitting the ball hard, eventually he's going to lift some. Um, and he's still slugging almost 600, so. 
but yeah, he, he really looked great. Um, there's not much else to, to say, you know, the swing is the swing. It's, it's very simple, very quiet, uh, and generates a lot of power, but, uh, he really showed well yesterday. Mm. Uh, I don't think I saw him in the field much. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Uh, for context, he's hitting 378, 417, 578 in 12 games with six doubles, a homer, two walks, and 14 strikeouts. Yeah, pretty good. Um, uh, Alvarez didn't really show great for me. Um, he uh, Basically, everything that we've been hearing from, from Jeff uh, Paternostro, among others, that uh, – he really needs to work a little bit more on his approach and that there's things that he needs to learn at double A. Um, I, I think that they bore out in this look. He, he struck out twice on, I don't want to say non-competitive at bats, but, um, you know, at bats where they were really just pounding him with off speed and he was just swinging over it every time. Um, it's not necessarily something I'm worried about. I think he'll, he'll figure it out fairly quickly because, you know, I think he's just that kind of prospect where mm-hmm. nothing's going to get in his way, really. Um, the, the swing is still absurd. Um, tons of, of bat speed, very linear. Um, but yeah, just needs to refine his, his, his approach. People should probably pump the brakes on thinking he's going to be up, uh, you know, this year or early next. I think he's, he, he does need a little bit more upper minors time than some people might think. Yes, for context, he is hitting uh, 324, 415, 794, nine games, with four doubles, four homers, five walks, and 12 strikeouts. Yeah, so the line obviously could not get any better, possibly, but uh, <laughs> uh, I do think that there are still things for him to learn with the bat um, in Binghamton. Um, so maybe he should wait a little, they, they should keep him there for a little bit, um, in a way that I, I don't think they should with Batty. Mm-hmm. Uh, behind the plate, he looked fine. Um, I'm not particularly adept at, at grading catch a defense, but I will note that his hands were, were, are very quiet. Um, I don't think any receiving concerns should be really concerns. Um, and then, I don't know, I'll defer to others on his ability to, you know, block balls and everything. He didn't really get any opportunities. So. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio had the most Ronnie Mauricio game he could possibly have. He uh, struck out twice on non-competitive at-bats similar to Alvarez, where, you know, they were just pounding him with, a, with off-speed and he's swinging over it. Uh, and then he parked one off the scoreboard in center late in the game. Um just a fucking laser shot. <laughs> uh, you could probably hear me on the ML, MILB.TV uh, laughing hysterically when he hit it. It was just like a rocket. Um, so uh, the good, uh, the power, obviously. Uh, the bad, most other parts of the offensive game. He's the most frustrating player, I would say, in the system. Yeah, because it's not like, you know, he, he like the other two, has performed well. Um, but the issues are still there. He's still not really walking at all, still striking out a lot. Um, the at-bats range from, you know, non-competitive to 
I don't know. Uh, but he also shows glimpses of just immense, immense talent <laughs> by doing things like rocketing balls off the uh, center field scoreboard. So, for what it's worth, he is getting off to a pretty solid start. Yeah, um, no, he's been great. He's been yeah in eleven yeah. eleven games here. It's three oh four. 347, 565, six doubles, two homers, three stolen bases, and two walks to 14 strikeouts, which is honestly better than I thought he would do so far. Also worth noting, he's very, very young. Um, yep. Obviously, you know. Um, in terms of other things, uh, one of the things I like about New England in general in the, the month I've been here is there's Dunkin' Donuts everywhere, including in the stadium in Portland. Uh, so I was joking with, with Jeff in a, a DM yesterday that uh, having my, my actual caffeine boost at the ballpark helped me appreciate Joe Zangi. <laughs> you mean there are people out there that don't appreciate Joe Zangi? Uh, he looked. He, he legitimately had a great outing. He um, had both secondaries working, um, and guys were just taking like stupid, ugly cuts off of him. So uh, Joe Zangi looked great. Love to see it. Yep. Um, um, what else? Other than that, I don't know. Jake Mangum didn't have a particularly good day, uh, but he's very much Jake Mangum. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't now, much else to, to write home about in the lineup. The, the, the real pressing question here mm. is... Did you or did you not avenge Marcel Renteria's L? Uh, I did not, no. Um, I did try to ask some of the Rebel Ponies as they were walking by where I was hanging out how he was doing. I did not receive an answer. Um, so, Marcel Renteria, we are <laughs> keeping you in our thoughts and prayers. <laughs> um that happened this week, right? Should we talk about that? Yeah, that was Friday night. Uh, for context, Marcel Renteria, Binghamton Rumble Ponies pitcher, he got himself into a little bit of a jam and hit a Portland Sea Dog batter. And he was chirping. It seemed like he was chirping at the umpire, saying that either it hit the bat or it was a check switch, whatever it was. And... The batter, whose name I don't have in front of me, um, I want to say like Jake Reed, but I'm pretty sure it's not Jake Reed because that's someone completely... The batter who shall remain nameless. All right, yeah, that works. Uh, we'll keep confidentiality, even though, you know, it's very public information. But the batter took, uh, uh, you know, offense that Renteria was chirping and he thought that Renteria was chirping at him. So instead of, you know, taking his base, he kind of stopped down the first baseline and, and started walking towards Renteria. Renteria noticed. He changed his his momentum from home plate, talking to the umpire, I guess, to the batter, and a brawl broke out. And it wasn't like, you know, just kind of some pushing and shoving baseball brawls like we normally have. Like, no, no, this was a fight. <laughs> yeah, Renteria legit got knocked on his ass. Yeah, you know, well, this like was got, actual violence. Um, he got one shotted basically. 
And Marcel Renteri is not a very big guy. Like, he's probably, like... I mean, not a big guy for baseball, anyway. He's probably, like, 5'10", 190, you know. The best part... Oh, I don't want to say the best part, but... After he got rocked, Renteri got back up, and he basically just started fighting whoever was on the uh, Portland team that was closest to him. Which is kind of comical, but... In the end, he got put on the uh, disabled list, and and he seemed to have been in not great. Shrinking. Yeah, yeah, wasn't in great condition when things kind of settled down. Um, yeah, adrenaline can only get you so far. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, some excitement. Not something that you see too often. No. Very wild. Alright, and now we will move on to the Brooklyn Cyclones. And this week they went 2-3, and three, which leaves them at 8-6 and six on the young season, which is two games behind the Aberdeen Ironbirds in the South Atlantic North Division. Uh, big side, like, I don't know. Jalen Palmer, he's still struggling. Um, he's down to 172, 294, 241 through nine games. No power, a lot of strikeouts, um, 17 strikeouts and four walks. He does have three steals and three tries, so I guess that's the only kind of positive thing. But Small that, Yeah, that's, I mean, it's digging deep. Um, Jordan and Schwartz, they are still hitting well. Reyes and Peroso, they're both still struggling. Brandon McIlwain, he was over this week, so, you know, he had a, had a fun hot start, but fun while it lasted, I guess. Uh, Pitching-wise, you know, there weren't too many prospecty guys on the team. The main ones are Junior Santos, and then if you kind of squinted, Dyson Acosta and Garrison Bryant. And none of those guys are doing particularly well. Uh, the guys that are more or less farmhands in minor league filler, you know, not really too many of them doing too well. Overall, not too much is going on in Brooklyn. Uh, at least until uh, some of the guys from St. Lucie get bumped up. You have anything to say about Saint, uh, about Brooklyn before we move on to St. Lucie? No, no, burn yeah. the tape. Right now, it's like the less said, the better. Well, honestly, though, it's not even the less said, the better. It's just there really is nothing to say. Like, it's just... It is a legitimate, pretty boring team right now. But they should get better over the summer. A lot more exciting. Uh, St. Lucie now, they went two and three this week. So that leaves them at nine and five in 2022, leading the Florida State League East Division by two games right now over Daytona and Jupiter. Uh, a lot to, a lot to talk about with St. Lucie. Alex Ramirez, through 12 games right now, he's hitting 420, 473, 580. Four doubles, two triples, a stolen base, and three walks to nine strikeouts. I don't think that he's going to be in Florida much longer. Yeah, probably not. Especially since he played there last year. Right, especially since he played there last year. And this this feels a lot like Francisco Alvarez's situation. Basically, he went ham in St. Lucie for about a month last year. Then he got promoted to Brooklyn. 
and that seems to be what's going on with Ramirez right now. And for context, Alvarez in his games with St. Lucie last year hit 417, 567, 646 in 15 games, which is pretty similar to Ramirez's line right now, which I said 420, 473, 580 in 12. So um, really the only thing that is a little, I'm not going to say concerning, but just what we want to see improve with Ramirez right now is that right now he has a 50% ground ball rate, 22.5% fly ball rate, 22.2% infield fly ball rate, and 27.5% line drive rate. So combine the ground balls and infield flies, and basically almost three-quarters of the things that he is putting in play are either on the ground or pop-ups in the infield, which can be improved on. <laughs> um, he's hitting the ball really hard, which is good. Um, he's averaging 92.3 exit velocity on everything that's he's getting wood on, which is really good. But he's either swinging under everything or he's swinging over everything, resulting in all those ground balls or those weak flies. Uh, I, I ran the numbers. He's put 27 balls in play so far this season, and he has measured... Um, Launch angles in that optimum 15 to 20 degree zone exactly twice. <laughs> um, if we extend it a little bit, 10 to 30, you know, still pretty decent. Um, you have seven of 27 balls put in play with those degrees, which um, not not what you want to see. There's a lot of negative launch angles, meaning that the ball is getting pounded into the ground. There's a lot of crazy high launch angles, you know, 66 degrees, 67 degrees, meaning that he's just uppercutting and skying the ball. So if he's able to level the swing a little bit, recognize pitches to maximize his angle of attack, I think that he's going to have some holy shit helium like Alvarez did last year. I mean, we know that he has the physical tools to do all that. It's just getting everything to kind of cool. sync up. Yeah. So I don't want to say I was not excited about Ramirez coming to the year, but I am really excited right now. If if these trends continue, you know. <laughs> um, Stanley Consurega cooled off a little bit. He's hitting 245, 302, 306 now. But we're still at the point where like a strong game of two can bump things back up a bit. Uh, Shervian Newton, same thing. He's down, and I'm going to lose that term pretty loosely here. He's down to 286, 367, 452. Um, again, you know, a strong game or two, and all those surface numbers can be looking pretty startling again. The only thing, though, is that swing in the miss is starting to come back. Um, his first week, uh, week plus, he played eight games. He struck out six times, which is really good for Shervian Newton. And in four games so far this week, he has six strikeouts now. Obviously, you know, that averages out 12 strikeouts in 12 games. It's whatever, but he's a guy that had uh, problems with excessive strikeouts. And he's missed a lot of time, and that has to be factored in. But, you know, like... I feel like he should be better than this level of competition, and striking out a lot is is not something that you want to see from him against 
low A or single A, whatever it's called now, pitchers, you know? Yeah, he's probably a little better, or at least we hoped he would be performing yeah. better than this. Um, looking at the rest of the hitters, you know, everyone's doing decent. Um, guys are doing what you would want them to do. One guy I've noticed in particular, William Lugo, he's an IFA that's been on the, you know, watch list for a while. He was signed with that extra money that the Mets got from trading Jerry's Familia all those years ago. Um, he might be starting to emerge now. He's hitting 275. 356, 500 with a little bit of pop. He's got four doubles, a triple, and a homer in 11 games. Solid underlying peripherals. The only thing that's a little scary, well, not scary, but the only thing you you could see some improvement in is the strikeout rate. He has 20 strikeouts in 11 games, but he is also like, you know, 20, so we'll see. We'll see. On the pitching side now, Again, um, nobody is necessarily dominating looking at the surface numbers with, like, all the big-name pitchers. But really, there's nothing to be worried about. Um, Mike Vassell, he has an ERA around 5. Dominic Hamill has an ERA just over 5. Uh, Calvin Ziegler's is in the mid-4s. Really, the only guys that have looked good are Carson Seymour, but he's kind of been used sparingly. Keyshawn Askew, who is a guy that is kind of more smoke and mirrors, and those kind of guys are going to dominate in the lower minors before being exposed. But I'm happy he's doing good. And um, Levi David, who is, you know, in the bullpen, also has been used pretty sparingly. I did notice with Hamill and Vassal, though, they're both basically throwing the kitchen sink right now. Uh, Vassal's thrown five different pitches in his starts, and Hamill's thrown six. You know, you don't need, uh, unless you're you Darvish, and neither one of these guys are you Darvish, you don't need to be throwing five pitches. You don't need to be throwing six pitches. So I think right now everybody is in that stage of just kind of figuring out what works in the majors. You know, coaches wanting to see what they've got, them throwing everything, and just everyone figuring out what works well and what doesn't before really focusing on, you know, what to go with going forward. But I'm not worried about any of those college guys. No, they're all lottery tickets anyway. Yeah. Um, Calvin Ziegler, he's another guy more so than any of them um, that's kind of in that developmental phase. And so far, the stuff has actually been, been better than I would have thought. Um, the fastball... Average 94 miles an hour. It's range 91, 96 with a little bit of life, it's, which is it's nice to see. Uh, curveball's been flashing, looking really, really, really good. Uh, it's averaged something like 50-something inches of vertical break. He's throwing it for strikes, and he's getting swings and misses on it. In his two starts so far um, that have been recorded, we have a 43% cold strike and whiff rate. So that's good. Really, though, the most surprising is his changeup. Now, he hasn't really thrown it very much, and, you know, he's, he was a, a high school pitcher and a, a, a high school pitcher from Canada to boot, so even more raw than a normal high school pitcher. But, you know, those kinds of guys generally never have third pitches. And Ziegler's, we knew, was pretty rough, but it has flashed being actually really good. Um, on Saturday, 
You got Khalil Watson, who is a very highly thought of prospect, strikeout swinging on three pitches, two of them which were changeups down and away. But during that same game, he he threw a couple of floaters that either missed badly or were mistakes that he just kind of got away with. So it needs development, obviously, but it's encouraging to see that it can be a pretty good pitch. And, you know, he's just 19 still, so there's plenty of time to work on developing it. Um, and, you know, uh, having a the solid fastball that he has and the solid curveball that he has, you pair it with possibly a solid changeup, and you know what? That That's a starter down the line. And then the rest of the staff, you know, they've just kind of been holding things down. Um Nate Lavender, Daniel Juarez, they've been money in the bullpen, so is Brendan Hardy. Just all in all, it's a solid squad, top to bidding, uh, top to bottom. Hitting is good, pitching is good, bullpen is good. And I'm just excited to see more of those guys up in Brooklyn where we can get more actual... Good video. Yeah, better video and some actual looks. And of course, I just want to see Brooklyn do good because Brooklyn must win. They must win. All right. So if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us uh, email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at said Metseason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast, to regular podcast from, rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the, love the Mets. Love the Mets. <laughs>